Good morning, everyone. Woo, I am loud and proud this morning. All right. Uh, it is great to be with you and always a privilege to be able to come and open God's Word with all of you. And uh, looking forward to the time, uh, as always, I'm going to open to start in Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. And I'm going to remind you, for those who were with us last time, I had the privilege of being here where we were, and we're going to, as Lauren mentioned, spring ahead and look to what God has for us this morning. It says this in Acts 9. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Let me pray before we begin. Lord, thank you again for this morning. And as we open your word, once again, we gather here before the audience of one. And we long, Lord, this morning to hear your voice. Not our opinion on the scriptures, not our perspectives, but your truth, Lord, that you write upon our very hearts. And I just pray, as always, Lord, that this morning, that as you write upon our hearts, that anything not of you would go in here and out the other, but those things from you would again stick to us, challenge us, push us, move us, and uh, make us into your very image as you do. Thank you, Lord, for this morning as we read and now look into your word that you've preserved for us, and we trust by your Holy Spirit that you will be speaking both loudly and clearly as we listen with hearts open wide. And so thank you, Lord, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as uh, for those of you who were here at the end of last month when I was here, we looked at some of these words, and what we were looking at was the fact that God often disrupts our lives. God is a God of disruptions. And often, uh, we need to fight to hear words that we don't want to hear and often have instructions that we to go to places we do not want to go. God disrupts us and when He does, the disruptions in life should not lead us into despair. They should lead us into further dependence on Him. We looked at verses in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul said, we have the sentence of death within ourselves so that, a purpose, why? So that we might not trust in ourselves, 
but in the God who raises the dead. God will disrupt our lives so that it might lead us into deeper dependence on Him. And as we do, and as we go, and we are willing to hear, and that's what we looked at last time I was with you, the fact that we can insulate ourselves from the things we don't want to hear. That's the problem with today's algorithms. When you go to Google, it's programmed to get you to keep clicking. And so when you ask for something, it will give you more. And so it will keep giving you what you want to hear to keep you coming back. And so if you're politically one way, it'll keep filling your inbox with those things, those results that you want to see. And you have to fight to hear words and see perspective points on the other side if you're willing to hear them. God often speaks to us and says things challenging that aren't always convenient to hear. Ananias, I need you to go and meet with a man named Saul. And his words, wait a second, this is the guy who's throwing people into prison. The guy who's heartily endorsing, holding the coats of those stoning Stephen. And yet he's called to get up and go. Life disrupted. Just as his life was disrupted, we looked at the fact that Joseph and Mary's lives were disrupted. God comes. By the way, you're going to have a son. And in God's timing, not always our timing, we looked at the fact that he didn't bother to tell Joseph until Joseph was already planning to put her away quietly and divorce her. And then the word came. God doesn't always tell us what we want to know. He tells us what we need to know. But God will often cause ripples in our lives. This morning, as we build from that point, these disruptions that lead us into dependence can lead us into points or places of either fear or to strengthen our faith. And that's what I want to be mindful of as God has been teaching me this week is that today, if we are willing to go where we don't always want to go, hear words that we don't always want to hear, God is inviting us on a journey and that journey today is an adventure into the realm of the impossible. And it's exciting. But you have to have the right perspective point to see it that God today is inviting you, if you will join Him, into the realm of the impossible. I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 1 because I want to gather, as we looked last time at Joseph's account, hearing after, in the book of Matthew chapter 1, how he was not to put away Mary, but to know that it was God's work in her as a virgin that would create this son. It's the words to Mary this morning, Luke chapter 1, that God challenges her in which it says this. Luke 1 and verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I love that when you read verse 29. Notice this beautiful greeting. Highly favored. The Lord is with you. Is she like, yes. No, what is she? Troubled. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. 
There's a catch coming. What next? Highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary's greatly troubled. Verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. Her question, as the angel proclaims this incredible work that God's about to do, how can this be possible? And the angel's reply, nothing is impossible for the Lord. The question today, as I want to put before you, is that today, God is inviting us into the adventure that is the realm of the impossible. Listen, God will never ask you to do something that He is not prepared to either have done for you or is willing to do in you and for you. God will never ask you to do something that He is not already prepared to do for you and do in you. His work always comes out of the source of His strength. And today, when God calls us into the realm of the impossible, it is far beyond my ability. He's calling us to follow us to where only He can, but I can't. And that's the first step, is admitting what you can't do and begin to receive that which only He can. Listen, here's what happens when God tells me to begin praying for the impossible. Luke 5, again, just a few pages over. What does it tell us? It says as Jesus was standing, he, He's by the lake, crowds of people, Luke 5 verse 1, as we get on, He's at the water's edge, and this is what happens, verse 2 of Luke 5. There were fishermen, and they were washing their nets. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats belonging to Simon, asked him to put out a little from shore. He sat down, taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Listen to Simon's response. He answered, verse 5, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Notice the first response. When God calls us into the realm of the impossible, the first response is, I've already tried and it didn't work. Have you been there? I've already tried. We already worked all night. 
and nothing happened. This is Moses in Exodus 3. Listen to what he says to Moses, and I've noted it down for time's sake. Come now, and I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you. What was the problem? It's been said, 40 years Moses was raised as a prince of Egypt. You know what it took? 40 years as a shepherd in the wilderness to learn what he wasn't before he could do what God wanted him to. It tells us in the book of Acts, by Stephen's account, that Moses thought, remember right before he killed that Egyptian slave master, it tells us in Acts, that Moses thought God had raised him for the purpose of freeing his people. What does that tell you? Moses knew what God wanted to accomplish. Here's the problem. He set out trying to accomplish it in the wrong way. He thought it was his education, his platform, his position in Pharaoh's own household that would save the people. It took him 40 years to realize that he was a nothing and a nobody so that by the time God said, it's time to go, what's his response? Who am I? Who am I? You see, he had to learn what he couldn't do before he'd be in the position to be used by God to accomplish what he wanted him to. Notice those words. Who am I? God's answer? Certainly, I will be with you. You see, it had nothing to do with his position or platform and everything to do with the fact that the living God was with him. And in fact, when you read on, and I love the fact that God is never angry with our questions. Moses asked, what if they don't believe me? And he gives them a sign. And who should I say sent me? And he tells them. And in the end in chapter 4, Moses says, Lord, I've never been eloquent. (laughs) Even now, in time past, nor since, I'm slow of tongue and slow of speech. What was God's answer? Who has made God's mouth Who makes one duff or dim? Even I will be in your mouth and teach you what you are to say. What was God's answer? I've got it. You go, but I've got it. You see, the first time in Scripture we read that God was angry, not in the time of Noah, we read God's heart was sorrowful at the wickedness of man. The first time we read God's anger burned was right here because after he says, even I will be in your mouth and teach you what you are to say, do you remember what Moses said? Please, Lord, send the message by whomever you will. What was he saying? I don't want to go. And God's anger burned. Why? Because he was saying, When he asked every question, God didn't mind questions. The answer to every question was, I'm enough for what I'm sending you to. I'm enough because I'll be with you. I'm enough because even I will be in you. 
And Moses' response at the end was, not enough, Lord. <laughs> not enough. And God's anger burned. You see, God will never ask you to do something He's not prepared to do in you and for you as He works through you. And today, there's an invitation. Just as Moses was called to an impossible task, Mary called to an impossible birth. And in both cases, what was the answer? I'm enough. I've got you. But here's me, back to Luke 5. <laughs> Go let down your nets. Sorry, Lord, already tried it. Isn't that Moses? Hey, been there, done that, didn't work. No, it's not that it didn't work. It's that you tried to do God's will in your own way. And you tried to achieve for God what only God can do. And God was calling him now, equipping him, not just in what he wanted to do, he was showing him how he needed to do it. That's my first excuse. <laughs> when God says it's time to go and I don't want to go, already tried, Lord, already tried, not worth the effort, not worth the fight. Have you been there? What sin so great? What relationship too broken? What what thing far beyond measure to fix and I try and I try on my own but I don't try with all that God has provided. You see, just as Ananias was being confronted with an impossible forgiveness, someone you'd never think could be in or part of the kingdom of God and yet what was he saying? Saul's in. He's a vessel of mine. And I want you to go and meet him. And in each of these cases, I want you to notice, Ananias went. Mary, so be it. Do to me as you wish. And when Luke 5, when he was told to drop down those nets, Simon said, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. See, the first step, simply obey. Obey. Because now when you're fighting with His strength, not yours, moving with His wisdom beyond your foolishness, now, man, the nets were filled. The nets were filled. And I wonder today, what realm of the impossible God is calling you to. Because each and every moment, as we strive and live, God longs to break strongholds, but we get ahead. Here's my second excuse. One is I've already tried. I wouldn't admit it, but my second excuse is, it's not that I don't think you can, Lord. It's that I don't think you will. I don't think you will. I mean, why would you? I mean, you could, but will you? I want to share something with you. And uh, there's some of you this morning, 
that may see me the lesser uh, after I share this, because, uh, but I hope in the midst of it, you won't miss the message that God's been writing on my heart. A- and that is this. There's people that, that I believe I don't even keep praying for. Why? Yeah, they're never going to turn. They're beyond. They've made their choice. They've made their decision. They have their lifestyle. They're God rejectors, not God acceptors. That's Saul. That's Saul. And I think, why bother? Here's something. Uh, And as some of you know, we live on a farm and uh, it makes no money. Uh, It costs us money and stress and ministry. And on the side of that, I always tell people I have a few side hustles. For one, I installed mailboxes for a season. uh, And so that one's over. I'm looking for a new side hustle on that side now. One time, a neighbor comes over and says, hey, I know you guys, you're looking for side hustles. I have one. Not sure that you're going to be interested. What's the side? Well, we have a neighbor, and I didn't know you know this, and this is now a few years ago. He said, He's got a medical marijuana grow and he shorts some trimmers. And that's not a question you get asked every day. And Fiona and I had some discussion about it and there was a lot of back and forth. And at the end, I feel at the end, I did what any self-respecting pastor would do. I decided I should go. (laughs) And I want to tell you something. I found myself in a room, okay, and we're talking about a conservative Mennonite farmer sausage eating, like (laughs) never touched a drug in his life. I find myself in a room full of plants, first time I'd ever really seen them, and now I'm learning to handle them and trim them. If anyone's advice, I can give you after. Uh, I'm learning to trim them. On the left is an ex-Hell's Angel telling me stories about how he ended up in jail, things he did in jail, and now I was beginning to feel I was going to go to jail for some of the things I was now knowing. On my right was a burnt-out hippie who had obviously sampled way too much of the product. Okay? And I'm in between. Nobody knows who I am other than I'm a farmer who's a neighbor to another farmer who lives next to us. And here we are sitting in this room. And you know what happened? Man, these are the people, and I'm telling you, you know them not just because you see them, the tattoos, the vest, the lifestyle, whatever it is, the the smell, because you can smell them three aisles over at the grocery store. These are the people I was with. These are the people I judge and say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, don't even bother. Here's what happens. I'm sitting there, And just so you know, long story short, I was fired later because I was too slow. (laughs) Didn't go very well. But here's what happens. I'm sitting in this room, and in walks the owner who I had never met before. And it was kind of this, I don't want to call it gang culture, but it was was a unique setting where you had biker club kind of atmosphere. And when the owner walked in, he's obviously the kingpin with the money. And there's this air of respect as he came in the room. 
And do you know what happened? The, the burnt-out hippie who's talking about his weekend plans to sample more of the product and to party, he says, hey, man, we're all going for a ride. You need to come with us. You know what his response was? I just about fell out of my marijuana-filled seat because the owner walks in. Here's what he says to him. Hey, man, I'll ride with you guys, but I want you to know something. When I ride and you ride with me, I'm faithful. That was not the word I was expecting to come out of a guy's mouth in the middle of a grow-up while trimming weed. I'm faithful. What was he meaning? He says, I'm going to come with you, but I want you to know that when I ride with you, I am 100% faithful to my wife. And the next thing that came out of his mouth was this. And if you followed the Lord, you'd be faithful too. I could not believe it. The owner was a believer. And not just any believer, an incredible believer who had an incredible testimony. And I was so confused at this moment that when I began to talk to him, I'm like, what do you think about this whole legalizing marijuana? He goes, oh, it's stupid, man. They're just trying to dumb all of society. Like, nothing connected. (laughs) Not his answers, not his viewpoints. Nothing made sense after that. Here's what did make sense. I can tell you this, I had never been further from church doors or church ministry in my whole life. And what did I find there? The testimony of Jesus. Do you know how many people, bikers, drugged out hippies, I'll walk past? Here's my words, impossible. (laughs) They'll never turn. I had never been further, and yet what did I find? The testimony of Christ was already there, and it had nothing to do with me. Can I ask you something? Who do you see in society today as you go about your day? And when you think about the salvation of the Lord, you go, impossible. What family member seems so far off that they can't be reached? What sin so great that cannot be forgiven? What ailment or illness that cannot be healed? What relationship too broken to mend? What stronghold of sin or barrier too big to bring down? I love today that as we open the Word, God is inviting us into the realm of the impossible. And if we start with, I've already tried it, (laughs) and that's our excuse, we've missed it. Because if we tried and fail, it's because we fought, not in his strength, but ours. And we move, not with him, but for him, even with religious vigor, and miss it. Or if we come at it and say, yeah, I know God can, but he won't. then we're looking down on the Ninevites, Jonah, who didn't feel they even deserved God's salvation. Let alone should they get it. Who do you look at and you say, yeah, God can, 
but he won't. God is moving. God is active. He is always speaking. More often than not, I am not listening. And today, my encouragement to you, as you are invited into the realm of the impossible, this is Peter in Matthew 14. When I love, he's always the guy that spoke first and thought later. Jesus walking on the water. And Peter cries out in verse 28 of Matthew 14, If it is you, let me come to you on the water. And he said, what? Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. That's the call today. Who do you think beyond God's salvation? Who do you think can't be turned? What do you think God, not just can't do, God won't do? Because you've already missed it. You're already beginning to flounder and fail, as I often do. And that's what happened. The moment Peter's eyes went off of Christ, what happened? He began to sink. As soon as our eyes leave, the one who can. I can't. I never could. And He never said I should on my own strength. And for those of us here today who are still trying to live the Christian life by our own means, may be missing. What we rarely point out is the fact that as He sank, because His eyes were distracted, off of the Lord, the One giving Him the ability, and onto the waves beneath Him, Jesus said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And they got back into the boat. What does that tell you? He had already walked out. He had to what? Refix his gaze and get back in. And if you're like me, maybe there's areas in your life where you feel impossible and your gaze needs to be refixed on the source of life. And that's what is said so beautifully. Remember when Jesus said, a rich man will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples heard this and they were astonished and said, who can be saved? What was Jesus' response in Matthew 19? With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I encourage you as you go out these doors today to think about the impossible. What sin so great that you have not yet escaped? As I mentioned, what brokenness that cannot be mended? Because today we are invited into the adventure that is knowing Him. And when we are with Him, we need not fear. Because faith will always triumph over fear. And as we leave, that's the testimony. People seeing a way of life that has no other explanation than God Himself.
a forgiveness that comes out of God's forgiveness. A love, even for the unlovable. Why? Because you've been loved by a holy God. You're always called to give out of what He's first given you. Today we go out these doors into the adventure of the impossible. It starts without making the excuses because maybe you have tried and failed. Today I need to remember that not only can He, He will. And most incredibly, He desires, no matter how broken I am, to use broken vessels, jars of clay, so that His surpassing greatness might be seen. He loves making the impossible visible in broken vessels like you and I. I hope you leave here embracing the adventure. Stop limiting God by what you think He can or can't do. And enjoy the adventure of seeing what He will do when you're ready like Ananias and Mary to say what? Yes, Lord. Yes. May it be as you have said. I will go. When you're ready, even though you've worked day in and day out, year after year, to drop the nets on the other side, even though it seems foolish, obey, and you will begin to see the impossible made possible by His incredible work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You. Thank You that this morning as we open Your Word, we are mindful that You are ever continually calling us into the realm of what we cannot do. Thank You, Lord, that You, if we are watching and listening, You will shine that light so brightly in those areas of our lives in which we have taken control. In which we've attempted to be for You what You've all along wanted to be for us. I pray, Lord, that we would be those bold in faith. That with hearts open wide, we can present before You, Lord, those family members, those people, those situations, those habits, those things, those broken places in our lives that have seemed immovable, Lord. And yet, as we've heard this morning, You are in the darkest of places that we may never have thought You'd be declaring Your love, Your way, and Your life. Thank You, Lord, that we go from this place on a grand adventure, ready to see You provide in the midst of our neediness, wisdom in the midst of our foolishness, strength in the midst of our weakness. And our word today, Lord, have Your way within us. Thank You. For he who calls you is able to bring it to pass. You will do it. And in Jesus' name, we give thanks. Amen.